Welcome back to Sagebrush as we continue our series Lifeline and hopefully uh, you got a hint of what we're going to be talking about today uh, as we look at a lifeline of anxiety. What do we do when we're going through deep anxiety? Well, there's a story of a man who uh, had another sleepless night, tossing and turning, suffering physical, mental, emotionally uh, with pain, wondering all the while why his life had fallen apart. Wondering too why it seemed like God didn't even care about his situation at all. Or maybe God was the one causing his suffering in the first place. Really all he could do to get through each day was just to suffer through it. He would sleep a lot because at least when he slept, the panic attacks weren't coming on. But he was paralyzed with fear, stressed out, and it was really difficult for him to make it from moment to moment. In fact, he began to wonder if he was going to make it through the situation he was in. There had been a time when, in his life, he seemed so close to God and every same, everything seemed great in the world for him. His kids were happy, his health was great, his family seemed to celebrate together. Life was good, and he experienced the blessings and the favor of God in his life. But those days were long gone now, so much so that he could barely remember them. Now he found himself suffering in great pain. His children had all passed away and he had lost his business, he had lost his reputation and he had lost pretty much everything he had except his wife who was now bitter at God and bitter at him. In a moment of great exasperation, feeling hopeless and and discouraged, he said these words, what I always feared has happened to me. What I dreaded has come true. I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, only trouble comes. Those are the pitiful, tragic words of Job. And if you know his story, you know that he was a great man of God who went through some trials that none of us would ever wanna face. And one series of events, one after another, he lost everything and was given an incurable sickness that affected him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Great suffering that he went through. But I believe that the hardest thing for him in all of that wasn't just that he lost his children, he lost his fortune, but that he didn't know why. He had friends in his life who accused him of secret sin believing that maybe he had done something terrible and he was going through what he was because God was punishing him. But you and I know different, right? We have something that Job didn't have. We get to get a peek behind the curtain and realize there was a lot more going on than Job realized. See, there was this battle between God and between Satan and poor Job was stuck right in the middle of it. Well, in the end, we know the story that Job survived and he did well, but I think his story is a lesson to all of us that none of us is immune to going through terrible and difficult tragedies or facing incredible amounts of anxiety. I think we all know that we're living in a time when it seems like Americans are facing anxiety over so many things that we didn't before, from inflation to um, pandemics to all kinds of other things. It's a difficult time. 
And it's hard not to have those moments of great anxiety. Uh, To be clear, by the way, we're not just talking about stress and worry, right? All of us have experienced stress and worry from time to time. What we're talking about is something much greater when we talk about anxiety. It's something that has the power to affect our entire being. You see, anxiety has a chain reaction in our body. It begins with our thinking and our mind and our thoughts and worries and fears. And and then it kind of moves into our emotions and affects how we feel. And we, we panic and we have these feelings of emotions that go crazy. And then it moves into our body. And our body can take a physical toll from sleeping too much to being unable to sleep to high blood pressure, nervousness, even stomach issues. Anxiety is a devastating thing. And if you've ever dealt with it, I imagine that you've had moments when you felt like nobody else around you understood what you were going through. But believe it or not, that's not true. Because health experts say that one out of three of us Adults are going to go through some kind of intense period of anxiety in our lifetime. So we're not alone, even though we feel like we are. I think part of the problem is, so many of us, when we're going through anxiety, we hide it. We're shamed, we're embarrassed, we won't tell people because we don't want them to know that we don't seem to have it all together like we wish we did. If you're uh, in this room or you're watching right now and You're going through battles with anxiety. I want you to know that you're in good company. King David, a man after God's own heart, one of the greatest men in the Bible, had great periods of anxiety as well as depression for many years of his life. We also learn that our hero from the Old Testament, the prophet Elijah, spent a lot of time going through anxiety and fear, worrying about his life. Countless men and women of God have battled with anxiety and God has still used them in great ways. And in fact, pastors are not immune from anxiety either, by the way. I had my very first panic attack when I was 16 years old. I didn't know what was happening. I was sitting in class at La Cueva High School getting ready to take an exam I wasn't prepared for. Maybe that was part of it. And I remember that all of a sudden I didn't feel right. My hands started to shake. I felt my body just break out in a sweat. My mind started racing and I knew something was wrong and I felt like I was about to get sick. I excused myself from the classroom and went out to the hallway to get some fresh air thinking that that would help, but it didn't. So I wound up walking over to the nurse's office and kind of explaining what I was feeling to her. And the very first thing she did is she took my blood pressure And when she did, she said, "Um, I'm going to call your parents and have one of them come get you to take you straight to the doctor. And that's exactly what happened. My dad came, took me to the doctor after a couple hours. I went in and went through triage, and then they took my blood pressure again. By now, I was actually starting to feel better, but my blood pressure was 153 over 98. Well, they put me on blood pressure medicine at 16 years old, And I'll always remember that day because that day marks the very first moment I can recall in my 35-year battle of anxiety. I've been to doctors, I've been to counseling, I've tried different medications, and this has been one of those battles that's been a, a big part of my life for the last three and a half decades. And over the years that I've 
battled with this giant, I've learned several things. I've learned that anxiety is simply just a biological response to a perceived threat. I used to think anxiety was a terrible thing, and it's not. It's neutral. In fact, (laughs) anxiety can be a good thing. Doctors call it our fight or flight response. And ever since Adam and Eve first walked the earth, God designed us to experience anxiety. See, we have a two-part nervous system. Uh, Part of our body is designed to warn us in case there's a danger. The other part is designed to calm us when things are okay. The problem is that you and I think we're in danger so often that we experience anxiety when there's really not anything to fear. I learned also that anxiety can be a part of life for people who struggle with DNA issues. They have uh, anxiety that's been passed along to them in their genes. Much like people who battle with heart disease or high blood pressure, there are people who battle with some mental illness and anxiety and depression because they have it in their family. That's the case for me. Uh, I have family members and parents and grandparents and great-grandparents who have battled with these things. So I have to work a little bit harder than people who don't have this in their bloodline. I learned also that anxiety issues can happen due to trauma or PTSD. There are people who have grown up in a difficult household and their family was a mess. People who have had incredibly difficult things happen to them in their life, even people who have gone to war or to combat, who have returned. And they've returned with these things they never wanted to have, these battles with their emotions and their mental health. And they've battled with these kind of things. And and what's tragic is, you may not know this, but 22 veterans a day take their life because they battle with this, this anxiety and this depression alone. And they don't think it can ever get better. See, I think that's what Satan wants us to believe. He wants us to believe that things are never gonna get better We're gonna battle like this for the rest of our lives and there's no reason to ever have hope again. And I believe that's a lie straight from hell itself because God has promises for us. He's got a lifeline for us when we go through anxiety. And so we're gonna look at that lifeline today and what we can do if we get ourselves in a position of anxiety where we feel like we are sinking and the water is going above our heads. That lifeline is found in Philippians chapter four Verses six and seven, here's what it says. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So these two verses give us three things we need to understand as a lifeline in those moments when we're full of anxiety that I believe can set us free. The very first thing he says is he writes this, don't worry about anything, instead, pray about everything. And then he says, tell God what you need. Now, I'm not trying to brag, but I've been excellent at worrying since I was a really young kid. And I know you might think you're a worrier. I'm a ninja worrier, not a ninja warrior, a ninja worrier. I'm really good at it. And so over the years, I've had these these seasons where people have come up to me meaning well, and they've said, well, what's wrong? You, you look all stressed out. And I'll say, yeah, I'm just worried about some things. And they'll say, well, just don't worry. 
Wow, hold on. Just don't worry. I never thought of that before. Thank you for that. No, I've been trying not to worry since the time I was a kid. And I haven't done very well with that. And here's what I've learned about myself through counseling. Usually I'm worrying about things because they are things that concern me. Not always, but most of the time they're legitimate issues about this place or about my family or about uh, my finances or other things in my life. And they're, they're things that concern me that I want to get fixed. And so I worry about them and I struggle with them and I can't just turn that off. And I love that Paul doesn't say, just don't worry. Be spiritual. Right? He doesn't say that. Paul says, don't worry. But then he says, instead, pray to God. Talk to God. Tell him what you need. I love that he says that. Because he understands we actually need to talk to somebody about the things that are going on in our mind. In fact, if you know a whole lot about uh, counseling, there's something called cognitive behavioral therapy or talk therapy. And this is one of the most effective ways to help people with anxiety or depression or those kind of things because it gives people who are licensed and experienced in counseling the chance to meet with people who are struggling and hear what's going on. And they often have very healthy, very wise, very practical things that they can tell us to do that'll actually help us solve problems. I think our problem when we worry is this. Worry for you and I is talking to ourselves about our problems, right? I mean, let's be honest, that's what worry is. It's when we talk to ourselves about our problems. And by the way, we're not very good at fixing our problems, are we? I, I hate to say it, but I think the more that we wrestle with our own thoughts and the more we kind of spiral into worry, the worse we make things. Now, you're gonna judge me for what I'm about to tell you, but don't because... Well, just don't, okay? My son Christian, when he was about four or five years old, was a wandering kid. He loved to explore. He loved to wander. He had a little bit of his dad's ADD. And so we would go places and he would sometimes wander off. And so we had to keep an eye on him all the time. So there was this one particular time when he was little and um, uh, I was at the mall and he thought it would be fun to hide in the clothing rack from me. And I looked for him, I panicked. It was one of the scariest moments up to that moment that I'd had as a parent. And so when he got home, his mom and I decided to have a little chat with him and we said, Christian, we love you. But listen, don't run away, okay? Don't hide. You need to stay close to your mom and dad because there are dangerous things out there. And he goes like, what? And we said, well, you could get lost, you could get stolen. He said, I could get stolen. What I didn't know saying those words is for the next two years, every time he prayed at night, every time he prayed for a meal, he would talk about, God, help me not to get stolen. <laughs> I'm serious. We would be having a casual you know, lunch and we would, okay, Christian, it's your turn to pray. Dear God, thank you for this food and please help me not to get stolen. It was awful. I felt terrible. But that's what we do, right? Because you and I have this sinful nature. We tend to go to the worst places. We tend to spiral. We tend to worry. We tend to panic. And we, we go places we shouldn't go. And 
And we allow our heart to deceive us. By the way, we're living in the dumbest time in American history. We are. Because everywhere I go, I hear people talking about how we need, we need to listen to our heart. No, we don't. Our heart is not good to listen to. In fact, notice what Jeremiah said thousands of years ago about our heart. He said the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? Listen, if you're a Christian, the Bible says that God has given you a new nature, right? Before Christ, or BC, as I like to call it, you only had a sinful nature. But then you became a Christian. God gave you a new nature, a holy nature. But those two natures war against each other all the time. So you can live life and think and behave God's way, or you can go back to your fleshly nature and do things sinfully. And I found that usually if I follow my sinful nature, that's when it's telling me to listen to my heart. Don't listen to good counsel. Don't listen to God. Don't listen to the Bible. Figure it out. That's the mess we make. And we get ourselves in a, a, this twisted place. And by the way, look at our culture. Our culture is telling everybody, just listen to your heart. Just do what feels right. Meanwhile, the culture is imploding. So what's the solution? Well, Worry is when you talk to yourself about your problems. Prayer is when you talk to God about your problems. So Paul is trying to say, listen, quit talking to yourself because you're not gonna fix it. You need to instead talk to God about what you're going through. And by the way, God is the best counselor there is. He wants to help you. He cares about what you're going through. His door is always open. There's no cost. He's available 24-7 to listen to whatever is going on in your life. And in fact, Peter said that you and I should cast our cares upon God because he cares for us. We need to talk to him. We need to counsel with him. When we stop worrying and talking to ourselves and making things worse, and we start channeling our worry and our fear and our anxieties to God in prayer, we're actually finally talking to somebody who can fix things because we're not always very good at fixing things. I believe that God can fix things. He's got the power. He's got the wisdom. And Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which has been one of my favorite verses since I was a kid, tells us why. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Listen, when you're going through something, when you're spiraling, when you're panicking, when you're worrying, you're eating yourself up with emotion. Your body is just not reacting well to it. You really have those two choices, right? Keep, keep staying there or go to God and talk to God and allow him to part the sea for you. What do I mean? Well, you remember the story, right? The Israelites, they were running away. They had just left Egypt and as they were leaving, Pharaoh changed his mind. He sent the Egyptian army to follow all the people. So here's... The Israelites going and then they run out of space to go forward because there's a Red Sea right in front of them. But the Egyptians are following close behind them and they're in this terrible spot where they have nowhere to turn. They couldn't figure it out on their own. So they cry out to God and God answers. He parts the sea for them. They're able to go through on dry land and make it to the other side. And friends, I think this story reminds us that if there's anything we can know about God. It's that God wants to part the sea 
in whatever situation you and I are in, right? He wants to make a straight path through whatever trial, whatever difficulty we're going through. And so that's the first thing that you and I need to do is we need to go to God. We need to trust God in prayer. Here's the second thing that you and I need to do. We need to maintain a grateful attitude. We need to remember the things that God's done. Verse six, Paul continues. He's just said, tell God what you need. And then he says, thank him for all he has done. Why is that important? Because when you focus on all of the victories that God's already brought you through, it gives you great confidence for whatever you're facing in the future. Because you know God is trustworthy. One of my all-time favorite stories in the Bible, it might be yours as well, is the story of Goliath, right? Here's the Israelites, and they're going through a terrible time because their biggest enemy, the Philistines, have sent out this giant of a guy, literally, who comes out every single day for 40 days in a row, and he trash talks the Israelites and their God. 40 days in a row, this guy comes out named Goliath. And the Bible tells us that he was nine foot, six inches tall, that he wore 125 pounds worth of armor, that he had a spear javelin that was eight foot long, that had a 15 pound tip on it designed to go right through a person's body. I mean, this guy was intimidating, right? And he didn't have like a, like a high voice like me. His voice was probably really deep, right? Which added to the terror. I'm sure when he spoke, it was terrifying. And he would come out day after day and notice what he would say. Choose one man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we will be your slaves. But if I kill him, you will be our slaves. I defy the armies of Israel today. Send me a man who will fight me. Day after day after day. That same Goliath came out and said those same words and scared the Israelites into paralysis. They knew they couldn't do anything. They knew they couldn't overcome him unless God did something supernatural. But so far, God hadn't. And so they were just stuck right there waiting for a miracle to happen. Isn't that you and I? That challenge that we're going through, that difficulty that we're facing, that thing, whatever it is, it's causing us anxiety. It just paralyzes us and it makes us embarrassed that our faith is so weak that you and I can't stand up against that giant. Well, that is until David came, right? See, David's dad sent young David to the field to see how his brothers were doing and bring him lunch. And the Bible says that as David reached the field and he heard Goliath talking trash, the Bible says that he burned with anger. So he started talking trash back and they took him to Saul and this is what he said to King Saul. He said, don't worry about this Philistine, I'll go fight him. <laughs> don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, he's been a man of war since his youth. Now I want you to notice what David says next. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I've done this to both lions and bears and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me 
from the claws of this Philistine, right? He will rescue me from Goliath. Notice why David wasn't afraid when the entire Israelite army was. Because he remembered what God had done. And because he knew what God had done, because he already experienced God's deliverance and it was forefront in his mind, he wasn't afraid of one more animal that he had to beat down. Because he knew all along the battle belonged to the Lord, not to him. See, it's not different with you and I. I think we read these stories and we're like, yeah, well, that's for David, right? I live in the real world. It's the same God. (laughs) The same God that did this for David and delivered him can deliver you. You just have to trust. And I believe that God is waiting. He's always waiting and he is always able to deliver us if we'll simply cry out to him, Call out to him and remember what he's already done. It'll give us hope for whatever the next victory is we need to have. Here's a homework assignment, if you choose to accept it, that I believe will be important for you and important for those you know. I want you to go home and I want you to spend a few minutes writing down all the times that God parted that sea for you. Now you're thinking, I never had God part a sea for me. I'm talking about the moments when things were impossible for you. When you cried out to God and God delivered you. Maybe it was a financial crisis that you went through and you didn't know how you were gonna make it. I've had those. Maybe it was a time when you had a health situation and you weren't sure about the future. Maybe it was a situation in a relationship or with your child, but it was a a moment when things looked impossible and you cried out to God and you trusted in him and God did a miracle. He led you straight through that into victory. I want you to write that down and be specific. And here's why. First of all, it'll be something you can go to the next time something happens. And it will happen, right? Because that's life. You'll have that moment. I have on my phone under my little notes app, I have a list and I call it my 12 stones. These are my 12 stones of remembrance. When God did something for me, He made a way for me. God did the impossible in my life. And I remember those things so that whenever I hit the wall again, (laughs) whenever I'm stuck and the sea is in front of me again, I can remember that God's done it for me in the past. God can do it for me in the future. I think it'll encourage you, but let me also tell you why you want to write it down. Because I believe the people around you need to know that God is a deliverer. God still does miracles. God still moves mountains. And I worry about our kids. I don't think our kids have ever been under assault like they are now. And I want my kids to know that the God who did amazing stuff in scripture has done amazing stuff in my life. He's done amazing stuff in my wife's life. And he can do amazing things for them if they'll trust him. Our kids need that. They need to know that God still does miracles. Okay, so number one, we need to stop worrying and talking to ourselves about our problems and talk to God instead. Number two, we need to remember what God has already done and gotten us through. And then number three, we need to leave things in God's hands. Let me tell you what the problem for you and I probably is. At least it is for me. I will hit the wall. I will cry out to God. I will come before his throne and I will lay down my burden, lay down my issue and say, God, would you please take care of this? And God is... Always gracious to say, absolutely. 
And then I, I walk away from God and go just outside of his throne room and I wait for 33 minutes to see if God has done something yet to solve the problem. And as I peek around the corner and take a look and realize it's still there, God hasn't fixed it yet. You know what I do? I run back in, I snatch it back up, and I load it back on my shoulders again, and I'm right back where I was before because I didn't trust. Why do I do that? Because my faith is not as strong as I wish it was. Maybe you can relate with that as well. Maybe there are times when you and I just need to stop. We need to trust God. We need to lay it at his feet. And then regardless of the circumstances, you and I have to wait on him and trust his timing to solve these problems. And it's hard, isn't it? Sometimes to leave it in his hands. But if we do, God makes us a promise and it's the second part of this lifeline. Here's what he says. Verse seven, that if we'll trust him, then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. When we trust God, when we remember all he's done and when we place things in his hands and leave them in his hands, God gives us two promises, okay? First of all, he gives us a promise that we're gonna have a peace that cannot be explained. It passes all understanding. What does he mean by that? Well, have you ever met somebody who's a believer, who's a Christian, and they're going through cancer, but they're not freaking out about it. I have. That doesn't make any sense. You ever met a couple that lost a child or had some kind of heartbreak, and yeah, they've been through it for sure, but they're still following Jesus and still loving him and trusting him despite what they've been through, and they still have peace in their heart. How do you explain that? Because that doesn't make any sense. Friends, that's the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding. When God gives us his special kind of peace, doesn't mean the circumstances have changed right away. It means that God has changed us, right? So that's the first part of that promise. Notice the second part, I love it. Paul says, not only is this a peace that can't be understood because it's supernatural, but it's a peace that guards our heart in our mind, in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you why I love this. Where does anxiety hit you and I the most? Our heart and our mind. See, God is saying, I know you. I know where you struggle. I know you battle with these things in your mind and you struggle with these emotions in your heart. And I'm, I'm going to set a guard over those areas of your life so that you can experience my peace no matter what you're going through. That's a... That's a supernatural peace and a supernatural promise. I don't know what you came in here with today. I don't know what you're carrying on your shoulders right now. I don't know if you're battling with anxiety, but I do know this. God loves you. God is for you. And the Bible says that it is for freedom that Jesus set you free. He didn't want you to be a slave to fear anymore. He's not giving you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And my prayer is today that you will take whatever you're wrestling with, that you will take it to him and allow him to set you free. His yoke is easy, his burden is light, and the battle belongs to the Lord our God. Let's pray. Father, I just know in a, 
group this large, there are people that are battling things that are great. They're overwhelming. Maybe even terrifying. Lord, they understand what Job was going through, at least in part. Sleeplessness and nightmares and panic attacks and Lord, that's not how you want us to live. I believe, God, that you are letting us know today that you are God and you alone are the one who battles the giants. We can trust you. Lord, we can pick up those smooth stones like David did and we can do our part, but ultimately, the battle belongs to you. I pray for anyone who is burdened beyond any kind of peace that you want them to have, that they would be set free today. Lord, they would cast their cares upon you and know that you care for them. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, that nothing is too impossible or hard for you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.